Hello and welcome to the Extreme Perspectives podcast. We bring you conversations with people who see things differently and think differently. The innovators, outliers, misfits, rebels, and the crazy ones from the Sense Network. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. I seek out people with extreme perspectives, people who want to change things and push the human race forward. Together, we collaborate with some of the world's most innovative companies to help them be more innovative. Today, we're speaking with the outlier, third culture kid, innovator, conscious consumer, and founder of Buy Less But Better, Alex Rukheim. Keep listening as we discuss how creativity was designed out of him and how he put it back, the importance of asking why and digging deeper, and his eight-year quest to end blind consumerism. Morning, Alex. Morning, Jeremy. How are you today? Um, good. It's a it's a sunny Friday in London, um, which is which is great. Which uh, which means I'm in I'm in positive spirits today. How about you? I'm all good, thank you. It is a bright day. Thank you for joining us. Uh, really looking forward to this conversation. Well, thanks uh, for inviting me. Pleasure. As with all of these things, I start with a question: Are you an outlier, misfit, rebel? or a crazy one? Um, <laughs> that is an interesting question. Now, the thing is, I did listen to your podcast, and so I know that this question comes. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, did, I did slightly prepare for this, or preparation is probably a bit, a bit much, but um, it wasn't actually that easy for me. Now, intuitively, I, I had a feeling where I was going with that question, but what I did instead was I asked a friend of mine to answer that question for me. And um, I think I probably knew that on the spectrum of craziness, I'm probably not so much a crazy one. Rebel, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the rebel type either. <laughs> um, but uh, my friend said that she thinks I'm an outlier. Why? Because I don't take cultural norms and trends at face value. I will always go and dig into the why. Why is this happening? Am I okay with this? Is this in line with me? And often that why is not in line with me. And so, um, you know, I guess, I guess I then decide to step out of that, out of that trend or shift or whatever is happening. And that kind of makes me an outlier, I would say. Thank you. I know this is not always the easiest question uh, for people to answer, but that's a good start. And actually that probably gives a, a few clues as to your journey as well because I know that digging into the why is something you spent a lot of time doing. But just help us understand a little bit about Alex Rockheim and his journey through life so far. I was actually thinking about where this why or this obsession with wanting to dig deeper comes from. And I think it comes or has to do with the way I was brought up. So if you were to search on Google uh, what kind of person I am, you would probably find something along the lines of, oh, he's a third culture kid. Third culture kids, now they often have like an identity problem because they're not bound or connected to anything anyway. But that's a completely separate conversation that we could have. But I very much grew up like a third culture kid. And I even have that tattooed on my right arm. So on my right arm, you will see a collection of nine dots. And those nine dots stand for the nine countries that I've lived in. 
And so I grew up in different countries and different cultures and different contexts. So, you know, when I was four years old, we lived in Tunisia and back then Tunisia was ruled by Ben Ali. Or we lived in Venezuela, which I was 10 at that time was run by Hugo Chavez. I've lived in South Africa, in Hong Kong, and in many different other places. And I think that that really shaped the person that I am today, wanting to understand how, how cultures work, why people are the way they are in different parts of the world. And I think that has really taught me to be open and open-minded. Yeah, there's, there's two sides to that, because obviously doing what we do for a living, we, we, we meet a lot of people who are, because they have kind of been dropped into different cultures, you have to learn to adapt quite quickly. And you have to sort of, even though you don't necessarily want to fit in, sometimes you have to fit in and you need to learn those new cultural rules very quickly to sort of assimilate yourself um, in order to go about things um, until you find your feet and then until you can then start sort of pushing boundaries again. So you still, are you still on the move? Are you still traveling? So just before I answer that question, one thing that you mentioned that I, that's really interesting is this idea of having to adapt and assimilate really quickly. Because in, in those types of environments, right, the question was never, how do I stand out, but how do I blend in? Because you, suddenly you were in a new class with new kids and new people in a new culture. You didn't want to be the one who shouts the loudest, at least, at least not, you know, me personally. But as you said, learning and picking up the codes really quickly and easily and blending in with, um, with the kids there to make friends, right? Well, yeah, that, as, a, as a kid, that's one of the most important things, right? Exactly. So to answer your other question, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say that I've put down roots, so to speak. Um, I've been in London for the past six years, and this has been the longest I've ever been anywhere. So before I came to London, I think on average, I've lived in one place at a time for about four to five years. So yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I probably don't feel that feel that same desire or urge that I felt with 18, 19 when I finished high school and I was like, I'm out, like I've been in Germany for the past four or five years. The next step is out of Germany. Like that, that desire, that push to, to move away again. I don't think I have that feeling as strongly today. But then also today, the world works very differently. And even though I've been here for the past six years, I haven't if that makes sense. I've had a, I've had something that you might call home, a base, but I've traveled the world and I've been in different places and I've been in different places for two, three, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks at a time. So I feel like I've incorporated that mindset into the way I live and approach life without having to move the whole base every time to a new country. Yeah, that's hard work. <laughs> getting set up doing just just despite what we might be led to believe um yeah getting set up in new countries i know how, how that is so lots of countries but where did that lead you now that 
I, I probably think that that's it's not it's not so related to um, what I just told you and how I grew up, but I feel like in the way I was brought up, creativity was almost designed out of me, and over the last ten years or so, as I developed into a more independent person, I actually realized that creativity was a very big part of who I am. And so I rediscovered that, yeah, that, you know, that, that creativity that I have in myself over the last couple of years in what I decided to study, for example. So it was during high school, it was obvious to me that I would go into engineering or the natural sciences, something that is measurable, pragmatic, empirical, done. But then out of nowhere, I decided to study fashion. I finished, you know, I finished high school and I asked myself, what do I want to do? And I just applied for fashion school, which completely broke with how I lived my life before or how I saw my life evolve moving forward. It was just an intuition that I had. And so I went to fashion school and suddenly I had assignments where I was asked to be creative, where there were no rules where you know it was about inspiration and intuition and all of these very soft untangible things and i struggled a lot with that at the beginning a lot but i think those those years you know being surrounded by very creatively minded people in you know a context like fashion i think really helped me bring out that creative side in me and that that is something that I, you know, use today in my, in my, in my job. You know, if you look at my job title, you and I are very familiar with each other because we work together and I head up the consulting side of, of Sense Worldwide. But we also say that we're more than just our job title. And so I'm also more than just my job title that led me to setting up my own business alongside working. That led me to creating a design-led platform called Goods We Like. That led me to turning Goods We Like into what we will be talking about today, which is buy less but better. This is, this is so great because um, I think when we were talking with Charlotte recently on the podcast about purpose, projects so I was just going to slightly turn the question and help me understand the origins of buy less but better what was the genesis of uh, of that idea what 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 sparked it or what was making you feel say emotional about what was going on what culminated what were the trends what were the observations that 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 led you to make um, this idea happen? The genesis of buy less but better. Now, I could go back half a year, but I could also go back eight years because I think that's where it really started without me knowing that it would become buy less but better eight years later. So back then, uh, my close friend and I his name is Simon Freud. He's now a conceptual artist. We set up a brand together. The brand was called Simon and Me. 
And Simon and me was 100% made in Germany. Everything was organic cotton. Everything was sustainable. It was very important for us to create a brand with principles that design with people and planet in mind. We even opened a store, a concept store in Berlin called Local. The reason we named it Local was because all of the brands that we sold in that store produced in their country of origin. So a Swedish brand producing in Sweden, a Portuguese brand producing in Portugal. But about two, three years later, we had to close both brand and store. And I think one of the reasons was people weren't ready yet or not enough people were ready yet to see the value in a non-labeled product without embellishments that was very simplistic in its design, but was true to the value of being produced in Germany, high ethical standards, et cetera, et cetera. And so obviously the price point for that product went up, but people weren't willing to, to pay for that. And that, that has very much shifted in the last couple of years in my mind. There is a much bigger appreciation higher consciousness and a better understanding around what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad. Now, I don't want to I don't want to think in only black and white terms, but you know, to make to make the point, I think there has been a lot of movement and a lot of development when it comes to um, appreciating these types of businesses, products and brands. Now, it's really great to see that evolution on the one hand, but then on the other hand, we're still very, very far away from adopting that mindset or that understanding as a whole, as humankind, so to speak. And so one of the things that, and probably that's also the, the, the emotional connection to it, I decided to launch Buy Less But Better on Black Friday. And I decided to do that for a very specific reason because Black Friday, tells us to consume more, to go for bargains, to go for deals, to buy things that we don't actually need. Consume, consume, consume. And so Black Friday and Cyber Monday are proof for me that we haven't yet learned, that there is still numbness and blindness towards what it means to consume in a better, more conscious way. That's, you've said so many interesting things there. And I'm just going to kind of draw a loop around. So local, the store, that was like your first prototype. And to borrow something from the financial world, they say being early is the same as being wrong. You might be able to see the future, but then timing is everything, right? But you prototyped it, you learned these are not always, these can be very painful experiences and costly experiences as well. And sort of to bring that up to date in the launch, um, I think this is fascinating that we're reaching this point. Now, one of the things that I really enjoy doing is digging into archive films. And I watched a film uh, recently um, that was produced by the BBC, I think, at the end of the 60s, and it was called Going to Work. And there was an interview there with Mary Quant. 
And at the beginning of this documentary, she starts to make this point that she, when she was a first an apprentice, a, a milliner making hats, um, it might take her five days to produce one hat for one lady to wear on one day at Ascot or whatever social event that she was making clothes for. And at this period in time, um, her whole outlook on the world was to say, this is ridiculous that I'm spending so much time <laughs> to create one item by hand. You know, we should be producing many more items for many more people and making it much more accessible. And this was where we were seeing artificial fibers being made much cheaper mass produced stuff. And we've obviously, you know, since that moment and since that, you know, that was the beginning of fast fashion. And that was the beginning of more cheaper clothes. <laughs> so it's like almost the opposite of what you were saying. It was like people buying more um, and much worse quality. But then that's been one of the great things that's driven so much growth. So I think it's really interesting to be having this conversation with you right now, where we where you're seeing we've reached a point where, you know, you're, you're seeing that change. So just talk a little bit more about the the concept because we've we've shared the name, um, and we've talked about what's we've spoken a little bit about uh, what's led to that. Um, but it would be good to hear more about the essence and and what um, buy less but better stands for, for for you and and where you where you see it going. I think before we dive into that, one of the things that um, are important to understand first, or something that I feel I need to clarify, is I'm not an anti-consumerist. I'm you know. I'm not standing here with a megaphone being like, don't buy, stop buying. But I'm on a mission to ask people to pause and to reflect and to think twice before they buy, to make a more conscious decision, to ask themselves, how much do I actually know about the brand that I'm deciding to buy from? How, how transparent are they in telling me where this product came from? So it's much more around making decisions more consciously than consuming blindly. And that's also what led me to like the core purpose or mission of Buy Less But Better, which is, you know, Buy Less But Better is on a mission to end blind consumerism. And the whole idea right now, or at least in the stage that Buy Less But Better is in today, it's about raising awareness. It's about making people more aware that they should think more consciously about the choices that they make day to day. Um, and so I already spoke about Simon and me and the brand that we had and you know the shop that we had in Berlin back in the days, that was a commercial project that was a commercial venture but I realized for myself that with buy less but better there is no there's absolutely no profit motive to what I'm trying to achieve and so I'm working towards setting buy less but better up as a not-for-profit now the tricky thing is that actually it's more difficult to set up a not-for-profit than a for-profit <laughs> which is a very funny paradox 
in a way, right? They make you jump. They make someone jump through more hoops if you want to be not for profit than if you want to be for profit. Anyway, different again, you know, different different challenge, different story. But um, yeah, so buy less but better is a social enterprise, and it's all about raising awareness to be more conscious of the decisions and the choices that we make. I love that. In fact, I, I probably need to share. I've always had this view as well that I think objects are very important. I mean, we've seen that objects are a part of our identity. And I think about William Morris, but he, he said, I should have nothing in my home that's not both beautiful and useful. And I forgive me if I've slightly misrepresented what he actually did say there, but that was the, the principle behind that. And, and, I, and I love that idea and that idea of being a reductionist materialist. You know, it's not just about having loads of stuff. It's about having stuff that's got, got meaning and, and, and provenance. And I guess for our work, we see this a lot in, in food, right? We know what people are looking for um, in good food and wanting to know kind of where it's come from and how it's been produced and how good it is going to be for me but I actually haven't started started to think about that on a wider scale and that sounds like where you're taking this idea hopefully yes hopefully that's where I where I can take this idea um, I think another thing that is really important with buy less but better is or where I'm trying to move towards is I don't just want to raise awareness or ask people to be more conscious, but I also feel like people, people are interested in finding out who those brands and products are that think and act that way. And so the next phase or the next stage of, of development for Buy Less But Better is to empower people to make the right choices. So not just ask people to make the right choice, but actually help them do that. And so one of the things that I began to work on is a brand directory where I will introduce brands who are by less but better, you know, so to speak, um, to make it easier for people to, to, to make these choices. Um, and again, I mean, I, I, there, there are a few companies or brands that come to mind immediately who share that very same vision, who say it is, it is okay to buy, it is okay to consume, because we have to anyway. We can't live without. But we can make much better choices in doing so. And so one of these brands, for example, is Askit. And the first thing that you see when you go into their website is, it says here, the pursuit of less. We can't live without clothing, but we can make the items we choose count. And it captures really nicely in a really beautiful way the essence that we believe in Or think about, and you might be familiar with this brand, Witze. Yeah, Dieter Rams. Shelving systems, right? Now, they're... Their philosophy, right, and their products are based on the principles of good design by Dieter Rams. Now, those principles are from the 1970s. I think I believe it's 1970s. Yeah. So that that understanding 
was already there back then. But again, I'm not sure if the world was ready to appreciate this at that point in time. Some did, you know, the, the outliers, the early adopters, you know, the ones at the edge. But we're beginning to see how this is moving, slowly moving into, into the mainstream, or hopefully, you know, it is, because only then can we drive change. Now, the thing is, in an ideal world, buy less but better would not exist. Because in an ideal world, everyone would be behaving and thinking and acting this way. So the ultimate, that's also one of the reasons why a commercial enterprise was not the right form for buy less but better, because the goal of buy less but better is to no longer exist. Beautiful. There's some elegance in that. That gives a whole new meaning to, to built-in obsolescence. If you do your job right, you disappear. Um, I, I'd be really interested to hear which other organizations, businesses, brands you've identified who you believe are living by these values. Um, and I'd be intrigued to know whether they are small local enterprises like you've already identified originally or whether any of these valleys are being to be beginning to um, precipitate up into larger organizations yeah that's a good question um, let's put it this way it is definitely easier to find these brands when they're small and local. You know, they're still independent, they have the freedom, the understanding of doing things exactly the way they want. Now, that's not to say that a big company or a big corporation can't live by these principles too, but it's definitely, or it seems at least, more difficult for them to, to change in that way. Now, why is that? A lot of these corporations have been around for a very long time. And so certain behaviors or certain you know, way, frameworks and ways of doing things have been with the business for many decades. Um, I think that large corporations are waking up to what is happening today. And there is a willingness and an openness to change but taking an organization with 50,000 people on that journey just takes a bit longer. And so, you know, you will have the fast fashion brands of this world who are trying and who are taking first steps, but it will take a while until these changes will trickle down into everything they do beyond the organization, because those organizations, they have a supply chain that is very complex. So how do you, how do you monitor transparency, ethics, equality, um, beyond just your own four walls? Um, some brands that are maybe you know, that, that, people, that people will know of, not massive corporations, but definitely medium-sized medium businesses are like Innocent Smoothies, for example, right? Or Innocent Drinks, they're more than just smoothies now. 
Now they have been at the very forefront of recycling for the past 15 or 20 years or so. And they've done a lot to make uh, their products 100% recyclable. And that is that, and that's really great to see. So I, you know, I, I, I celebrate that. But what about all of the other aspects in the business? It's, it's, not, it's not too transparent. Now, I think these are all really, you know, really good signs and really good movements. And everything's moving in the right way with those types of brands. Um, but um, the question is, what are all those principles or dimensions that one could use to evaluate whether something is buy less but better? And this is where the community of buy less but better comes in. Because buy less but better is not supposed to be whatever Alex says is right, right? <laughs> I want to know from other people in the community who believe in the same values, what their version of buy less but better is, what their buy less but better products are, and for what reason? Because the more, the more perspectives and stories that you will get on how people across the world understand buy less but better, what examples they give, what stories they tell, I will be able to create a list of criteria that make up a buy less but better brand collectively, not just Alex list. That's great. Because you've just got me thinking about what brands might I shortlist and I think this is always fun because I'd love to, well, well you, I guess what you're saying at the moment is there is, it's not what Alex says. So here's me looking for you to tell me that I'm making good choices or I'm not making good choices. Um, but one of the brands that came to mind I, um, is Filson. Because I felt before, I think the private equity guys moved into them a number of years ago and, and blew them up into a big brand. But I remember first discovering them in a store in Portland called the Outdoor Store, which is like a store for cowboys. If you've, if you've ever been there, it's, a, it's amazing. And the thing that really struck me about Filson bags and luggage was just the, the quality of them. They were clearly a lot of them being produced, but it's the bridal leather, it's the zips, it's the quality of the canvas. Um, but the really big thing for me was it had a lifetime's guarantee. And, you know, I have broken wheels and I have kind of broken things with all the traveling I've done. And every single time without any quibble, they've kind of fixed it and made it as good as new, if not better. That was for me one of the really fantastic things um, and why I bought in, because I was looking at this, this bag going, it's going to outlast me. And so for me, it was, uh, I don't have to buy a bag again. And this is a really good bag. So I'm just wondering there is I'm buying bag, I'm buying it once. So that's less. And I'm definitely buying better because it's, it's rugged and it's robust and all the rest of it. Now, is that the sort of stuff that you're looking for? Are those the sort of stories and ideas or have I got it completely wrong? 
No, that's perfect. I think that's a perfect example. Um, I have a Filson bag myself. Um, I think, again, what I said earlier, it's, it's a really interesting conversation because when I'm looking at brands and businesses, there is a question for me around transparency, right? How transparent are they around what they do? Another thing is sustainability. How sustainable are they or do they act? Another question for me is um, how, how much do they give back? How much do they care as a business beyond the business? But then the other question, and that also goes back to your point or your example just now is how long lasting is the item that you buy from them? So buy less but better is not just about, hey, how transparent are you? But also the question, is this a, a piece that is made to last a lifetime? And that's a really important question I ask myself too. How often do I think I would actually need to exchange or replace the item that I'm buying into? So the to give you an example, and you might be familiar with this brand, if you, you know, if you're a Filson, um, Filson wearer is Red Wing Heritage, the boots. Yeah. So the ones that I have, I've been wearing for, I don't know, seven or eight years, and they're still going strong. There is no need for me to change, replace, buy a second pair of boots, because I've had them for eight years, and the, the quality is amazing. It's a long lasting product. It's a product that is crafted to last a lifetime. So you started in fashion, but you're clear that this isn't just about fashion. So where is it sort of beyond? How does buy less but better extend beyond sort of fashion? Okay, we've, we've talked about uh, luggage there briefly and, and footwear, but you know, where else does this go? How does this play out in other categories and other sectors? What are you, what, what might you be looking for? What other products have you sort of adopted that you feel represent or are beginning to represent the values that buy less but better stands for? Um, it's, it's, it's a great question. Um, and it's something that I have thought about a lot. Now, obviously design, and fashion is very close to home for me. I feel very comfortable in that space. I have a lot of examples, quite a big network and a good understanding. So that was, that was one of the reasons why it felt intuitively right for me to go there first. Also because I think that the fashion industry is one of the, if not the one industry that needs shaking up when it comes to this. But to your point, the idea of buy less but better is not restricted or limited to just the consumer goods in design and fashion that we have, but it's more of a philosophy or a mindset that should ideally permeate into all aspects of your life. So for example, I'm thinking about food and restaurants. So there's a, there's a restaurant in London called Silo, and they're the UK's first fully, completely zero waste restaurant. Amazing. I went into that restaurant, the chairs that you sit on are upcycled from 
I think fungi, like everything that you eat from, that you eat, um, the way they cook, the way they source, everything is, is fully zero waste. That's amazing. Or think about some of the household staples that you use on a day-to-day -day basis, your pasta, your rice, your um, toothpaste, your toilet paper, you can go to refill stores to get these. Less packaging, less waste. So I think that the idea of buy less but better is much more of a mindset than bound to any one industry. So the sense I'm getting from this and, and where you're currently at is um, you are setting out with this intent to buy less, but better. And you are seeking stories or you wanna, you know, take you know, a true sort of ground up movement um, and sharing by sharing those stories and hearing more stories from that and hearing that, you will be able to start seeing patterns. And from those patterns, I will assume that some principles will emerge, not dissimilar to Dieter Ram's principles of good design, but maybe a new set of principles for the design of not just products, but of businesses and our lives at the early part of the 21st century. Yeah, that's nicely said. Um, I think the one thing, so if I think about the vision or the end of buy less but better, where I would love to take this is some form of buy less but better stamp, certification, accreditation that people will look at a website, a brand, a product packaging, and they will see the buy less but better logo on that item or product or whatever it may be. And they will instantly know, okay, this is something that I can trust, something that I can confidently buy into because it stands for certain principles, just like your fair trade logo, right? For yeah. coffee. Yeah. Well, it becomes short. So that would be, that would be something. Yeah, I really like that idea. If you do have an accreditation and a mark, uh, a lot of those questions that we're all asking ourselves, I mean, we see it a lot, don't we? And kind of how obsessive people are when they're looking at food and what's in the ingredients and all the rest of it that we think about when we're buying products. It's sort of, it takes quite a long time to actually interrogate what sits behind um, the packaging. And it sounds to me like this could be a shorthand for just knowing that, yeah, this is, this is good. And this is, this, is, this is a product that's created on sound principles. Absolutely. And here's where the community aspect comes in, right? Because I don't want, I, I wouldn't want the buy less, but better logo on an item to be it's a better buy less but product because Alex said so because this is based on a list that 
Alex put together, but that it is something that emerges from all of the stories and all of the examples and all of the uh, perspectives that, that people out around the world share with me. And it's also not about Alex's storytelling. It's about everyone's storytelling, right? And so right now, yes, everything is kind of filtered through the Alex lens, but it would be amazing to have people join the people contribute to this movement for me to tell other stories but just mine so alex is this is this something that you think members of the sense network could help you with absolutely i i you know i think i think it would be it would be amazing to get members of the sense network involved um the sense network spans hundreds of cities right so many countries from it's about stories and perspectives from all over the world the thing is that buy less but better right now is mainly or the, let's put it this way the output of buy less but better comes through my understanding of the world my experiences of the world and that's not necessarily a bad thing but that's a one-dimensional view of the world and a one-dimensional view of what buy less but better could be what are the other views? What are the other opinions? What are the other perspectives and stories that people from other port, uh, parts of the world have to tell? Buy less but better could mean something very different in Peru than it does to me. Very different in China than it does to someone in the US. And so I would love to get this question out into the world, out to the Sense Network to see what are the examples and stories and perspectives that come back? Because in doing so, I can then build a much more, a much stronger collective understanding of what buy less but better is. And in so far, if I then begin to build the principles for buy less but better, these won't be based on what Alex thinks and says, but what people from all over the world think buy less but better might stand for. So dare I say it, a little cognitive diversity to help you make this idea stronger and more robust and more universal and relevant. And I think, yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the word relevant is quite interesting because how do you make something like buy less but better, that, that movement, that mindset, that philosophy relevant for someone on the other side of the world because i because of my because of my, my my background and being german for example a lot of the brand examples that i have are made in germany brands and there are so many unknowns for me around made in venezuela brands made in brazil made in the us made in canada and there's also a potential wake-up call here to say, actually, this whole view could be a very privileged Western view of consumerism. You know, it's about understanding, you know, just like we see technology leapfrogging, you know, will to, to sort of advance things. Is this a concept that could be a leapfrog concept that sort of stops that wastage or stops that landfill you know is that those things that we're looking at so i think you're you're opening up 
quite an interesting conversation here when you start to sort of look at different areas of the world and you know you're asking the question absolutely we've just touched on it is it even relevant so exciting journey you raise a really interesting point and it's a conversation that i've had with many people on this buy less but better journey it's a very isn't buy less buy less but better only for the privileged you talk you know a lot of these brands because of because of their values because of their production methods they often tend to be very expensive and so i completely understand that not everyone has the possibility to buy into something like that but if you think about the mindset and the values that buy less but better stands for even if the only thing that you can or want to afford is a fast fashion item i would then encourage you to buy one not five like there there are there are different ways of interpreting what buy less but better means to you what ver what what is your version of buy less but better but the but what i would always encourage someone to do is to think twice and buy once to think more consciously about the choice that you are about to make and if you come to the conclusion yeah this is a good choice that's the, you know that's a great starting point right so i'm thinking now about what you're looking for so you're looking for people who feel that they might have adopted a similar set of values to how they're consuming stuff and that doesn't just need to be fashion so the second thing is you're looking for people who might be writing about or championing similar ideas or ideals so from different sectors and different categories you touched on food but you know how does this play out you know how does this play out for travel for example you know the world of travel is going to be changing dramatically you know and you know that's been a bit of a wake up call um uh and, and sort of what else what about what about the future are there any other asks at this stage if we're thinking about what would be useful in advancing this creative idea well one thing that we already touched on is you know a a pool and diversity of perspectives and stories would be fantastic and i've already um i've already launched a shout out through the buy less but better newsletter that goes out to the community asking people to share their stories i think to i think it's really important at this stage to spread the word more to get the word out and so it would be extremely helpful for me if people started to talk about and share the movement around bus but better because we will need a you always need a critical mass right a tipping point where things tip over into okay we have a scale now where we can actually drive behavior change at a systemic level yeah amazing it will be it will be really interesting to have people join from other parts of the world because i also want to be challenged on the idea of buy less but better um 
it's obviously very easy for me to have conversations with people who are close to me. And yes, they might be in a different bubble, but those bubbles still overlap to a certain extent. What will an outsider say? What will a radical thinker say? What will a creative outlier say to the concept of buy less but better? And so I'm really looking forward to hearing people's perspectives. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your perspective today, Alex. All of these great conversations start with an idea. Um, and we know there are lots of those in the Sense Network. So I hope that we can have more conversations like this with more people from the network who are getting ideas off the ground and, and bringing them into the world, which is amazing and what we're all about. So thank you so much for your time today and sharing your journey and telling us more about Buy Less But Better. You're welcome, Jeremy. Um, thanks for having me, especially because, you know, this is a fight that you can't fight alone. And so thanks for joining the movement. That brings us to the end of a great conversation with Alex. If you want to join the conversation, share your stories and help to build this ground up movement that will develop a better collective understanding of what it means to buy less but better, head over to the Sense Network. And remember to pause, reflect and think twice before you buy to help end blind consumerism. We'll be back soon with another mind expanding and inspirational conversation. Thank you for tuning in to the Extreme Perspectives podcast from the Sense Network. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. If so, please share it with your friends. We'd also love to hear what you think, so leave us a comment. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at The Sense Network. And if you want to get hands on and collaborate on a project to make things better and make better things for people and the planet, join The Sense Network linked in the description. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to the next time.